Hey everyone, you're about to hear the audio from our recent Ask the Once and Future Nerd livestream. It's been lightly edited for time and clarity, but you can still watch the full video livestream on our YouTube page. The audio here, I should tell you, is pretty crunchy, and I apologize for that. We're still getting the hang of this live streaming thing and figuring out the best way to do that. Um, nowhere to go but up, I guess. Uh, anyway, thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, we hope you enjoy the answers. We definitely had a great time answering them. Um, okay, thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ask the Once and Future Nerd for the end of Chapter 4. I am Zach. I am here with Christian. Say hello, Christian. Hey, guys. With Paul. Hey. With Shannon. Hi, everybody. And with Greg. Hello. So, so welcome to this discussion. Um, first off, if this is your first time ever hearing of us at the Once and Future Nerd, thanks for joining us. This discussion is going to have plenty of spoilers, so this might not be the place to start. Um, we now have a fancy new welcome, plate, welcome page, so head to onceinfuturenerd.com slash welcome, and that'll help you get started. That being said, since the last time we've done one of these chats, we've gotten a ton of new listeners. We had a Jumbotron on the Adventure Zone, and that got us a bunch of listeners and just general growing. So for all our new listeners, thank you and welcome. It's awesome to have you. And also for our new patrons, thank you so much. These live streams are a direct result of our Patreon following. So thank you for that. So with all that introduction, let's get into the discussion. Um, this chapter, chapter four of the Once and Future Nerd was the pirate chapter. So we'll be talking about pirates today. Um, and just a f good place to start. You can't have a pirate chapter without a pirate queen. So Shannon, you've, it feels like you've been with us forever, but this was the first time you really got to show off your acting skills to, yeah. to our audience. So welcome. I guess, how, how did you like it? Oh, it was, it was a blast. Um, I also co-wrote uh, parts two and four as well. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was terrific. I'm, I'm grateful to have uh, been asked to come on board um, and to tackle some of the, the issues that came up with this, with this relationship between these two really strong female lead characters. So yeah, it's a good time so far. Awesome. And I don't know if you've been following it, but the internet seems to be appreciating your performance of Ren. They're, cool. they're really into it. One tweet that we got where I'll protect the person's identity because it may be a little embarrassing, but they said, so I was drinking my coffee while driving yesterday. And when Ren said reclaiming my time, I did a legit spit take all over the inside of my windshield to make matters yeah. worse. I tried turning on the wipers to fix the problem. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Christian shared that with me um, in a DM, which, and I was, I was so happy um, that, that he did until I've gotten that reaction. Um, um, we ended up uh, recording um, an alternate uh, response and um, had decided um, and, and decided that closer to when the season, the chapter rather, was released, uh, that we would decide which one to use. And what I'd said to Christian was the people who get that reference will really appreciate it. So um, let's go ahead and take that risk if you're willing to. And, and I'm glad that, that he was on board. Um, yeah, I mean, it, for me, it was it was meant to be an homage to the incredible 
Honorable uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Maxine. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been a real um, beacon at this time and, and, and someone who's using her power and speaking truth to power. So I was happy to have an opportunity to slip that in um, and have it make sense both in the scene and sort of as an anachronistic, uh, again, homage to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that, that was pretty awesome. Um, Ren is such a cool and interesting character. I mean, if I do brag for ourselves for a minute here. <laughs> um, yeah, does anyone else have any, any thoughts about just the pirates in general or Ren and how she's leading the pirates, anything like that? I, I loved it. I, I see like, um, well, for me, I think it's like great to finally see these narratives. I mean, it's like for me, it reflects a lot of like Queen Nani and like all these like West Indian legends and so to have like some to have like an actual fictional narrative of it which is even better because for me a lot of times I think uh, when it comes to like and I can only speak for like just as a, as a black person or whatever but our, when it comes to our narratives it's oftentimes like let's just recreate something that you know is really cool and, and like it makes you feel good or so it's going to talk about oppression it's like always rooted in kind of like retelling a story so I think there's something to take uh, a part of our history that is often not seen and to also add the fantastical to it I think that actually is uh, I think that, that just, it just all encompasses itself the whole pirate thing I always think is just encompassed in, in the character of Rin like I, I feel like we wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for her and I, I think that's kind of like I don't know I, I think it's, it's just fun it's just fun to kind of see this for me it's just refreshing as, as a quick aside but just to brag more about ourselves Shannon you're now in Luke Cage also so that's yes congratulations about that <laughs> that was so trippy to see you though. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was binge watching it last night, yo. Like so, like for me, it was mad should be like one, like all right, whatever. Like, it was just like like uh, you know, it's a Saturday night for one, so <laughs> I was having a lot of fun. But also just like watching that, and then like I didn't see the Facebook post until like like way later that night or whatever. I think this that night or this morning. So I didn't even know. I was like, is that actually? That's not. Is that Sh that is Shannon? Like I was kind of having a moment where like should I like send you a message? And by the time like like tomorrow or just today came around, I was like, all right. It is. It was you. It was you. But you're the third person who told me they were like, "Oh, I was watching." And I went, "Wait a second. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even doing spoilers, but yo, it was that was dope. That was dope. Awesome. <laughs> fun, fun story. So, so I tell, I'll tell Christian a lot. Like when I'm out and about and it comes up, I tell people that I'm a part of this that I write and I voice act for this great podcast called The Once a Future Nerd. Mm. I remember the, one of the very first times I told you, Christian, that I was on set talking to a director. We were between shots. He was chatting me up and he asked me, oh, so what are you doing now? And I told and I plugged the Once and Future Nerd. So on set for Luke Cage. Of course, I couldn't tell you where I was at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, crazy. So fun, fun facts of the Everybody two things converging, not to mention both characters have Jamaican accents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like my fifth character where I have a Jamaican accent. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Yo, like, just shout out to, like, that whole, and I, I love the, uh, the, what you call it, the stylers. So it's just like, I was like, yay. Sorry, go ahead. I'm in my bad. Nice. So there. you were saying something? Oh, I was saying, I was, I didn't, I was saying I, I love the stylers. I like, like, I like the fact that I was just like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give it away. I feel like I'm going to give spoilers. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. No, yeah. No. Yeah. It's hard. 
right? Yeah, yo. <laughs> That's dope. That's so dope, though. Oh, sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> I, I forgot where the conversation went now. <laughs> Super crap. Check, out, uh, so check cool. out season two of Luke Cage. Yes. I'm in episode 11. Yes, 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 right. yes, yes, yes. Luke Cage season two. <laughs> and um, at the end of the Once in Future Nerd chapter, our group parted ways with Ren, but she will be back at some point. This is a guarantee. Um, uh, so, in addition- oh, so can I just say one more thing before we move on, just to kind of piggyback on what Paul was saying? Um, you know, it really meant a lot to me to be a part. I mean, I know that, that there isn't a direct parallel between sort of the orc um, sort of population and sort of people of color and other marginalized groups in sort of the, the human realm. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate um, that you decided to address uh, this really important sort of what I, what I eventually ended up calling intersectional moment, where it's somewhat of an exploration of, of, of intersectional feminism and the dynamics between uh, in the real world, for instance, uh, white women and women of color being able yeah. to feel that a little bit. Um, just having the um, having that kind of commitment to having a conversation like that is really important. And I'm really grateful to have been a part of it. So so thank you. Mm-hmm. That was the was, uh, argument or discussion between Ren and Regan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Regan was like, come on, just help me out, basically. And Ren was kind of like, I have to, you know, look out for my own needs, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like, where were you before? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, so that was that was a real interesting uh, discussion. That I'm I'm glad that we were able to have it. I'm glad you were able to you know help write and create it. Um, yeah, totally. And then speaking of interesting discussions that are maybe not always put out there, we actually got a few comments and questions this week about uh, Billy in this chapter. So Billy, he's often you know kind of there as a as a comedic outlet. He's kind of bumbling around, but in this chapter, um, Billy thought that he was the cause of getting them caught by pirates, and he was really beating himself over that. And then Nelson kind of accidentally informed him that he didn't even cause that. He kind of did nothing, which made Billy uh, feel even worse, basically, and that led to some real introspection going on. So we got one comment from Mimbulus Mimblestonia95. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Sorry, Mimbulus. Yeah. Uh, Mimbulus said, I really dig Billy's turmoil of unlearning years of toxic masculinity, and I really look forward to seeing more as we move forward. And also, uh, Rob Kebab on Twitter, our friend, he's uh, the Golden Glove on Nerds on a Roll podcast. Rob says, on the ship, when Billy gave the captain the pocket knife, what was going through his head there, and could this have lasting implications moving forward? His struggle with purpose and need is one we all have. Was that his way of working to be needed? So I think those two questions together are sort of, uh, you know, moving forward, Billy's struggle and kind of more serious one than we normally give him. Mm. It was, was the, uh, can, can you refresh me about the, the, the pocket, the pocket scene, pocket knife scene? Oh, right. So Billy had this pocket knife that um, his dad had given him and it was like engraved with his name and it was his cherished possession. But his dad was kind of, you know, an asshole, a terrible person, basically. And at the end of the chapter, when the pirates left, like the, you know, the merchant ship who our team had just kind of hired to carry them, the pirates mm-hmm. had tied 
tied up the merchant captain so he wouldn't chase them. And Billy left the pirate captain his pocket knife so that the captain could, you know, free himself and save his people. So it was, mm. um, on the one hand, almost more uh, empathy than Billy normally shows that he cared if the pirate or if the merchant could escape safely. But it also was a bit of a big deal for him that he was giving up his his dad's knife to do mm. that to make that gesture. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I read it as not necessarily a conscious like this is how I can be needed, just as like you know some some empathy coming through from from Billy's part. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I mean I like the it's like part of me like likes the approach, but then yeah I guess <laughs> like logically it works the other way. But I also like I, I wonder is there like there there is some of a journey, maybe not necessarily in that moment, but like overall that Billy's taking that's like away from kind of like the selfish type of toxic masculinity. And I wonder like are there any moments that are there that are like where he has like you know that, that, that do you guys remember like happening in, in that chapter or in the in the sea the sea chapter? It kind of makes you look back and wonder like all right what else is he doing that that may indicate that I don't know. Yeah. Well, 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 two things. One, um, something I hadn't thought about until just now was that the leaving the knife behind and maybe this was the intention was it's also kind of symbolic if we're talking about him kind of shedding this. Yeah, yeah. He's giving up that piece of his dad that he's exactly. Around. You know, yeah. Bit of that skin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing um, is that conversation between him and Brennan, right? On the between no between him and uh, uh, your character Nelson. Yeah. Doesn't he talk to Brennan as well? Brennan. You know that whole conversation those two conversations um yeah i think he he talks to nelson first right and uh paul that's where you or nelson sort of like Mm. gives him the real time spill beans yeah yeah and then afterwards uh uh uh, brennan is kind of high and stumbles over and then they have a little bit more of a real talk yeah or then Brennan gets realer than Billy is willing to get at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that moment like, oh, I think I hear my name being called or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, do you want to speak a, a little bit on, like, that that moment between uh, Nelson and, and Billy? I'm trying to think of, like... Not the worst memory in the world. Give me a second. I want to show you. recorded this uh, nearly a year ago at this point. Wow. Yeah. Which is, yeah. But I also feel like like the worst in the world for not remembering off the top of my head. <laughs> I feel so guilty. Wait, wait, this is the one where he's like, uh, is this a steering conversation? Or is this the one where like... Uh, yeah, the steering conversation. The steering, yeah. But all I remember is when he was like, oh, oh okay, and then that's it. But I, I can't remember like if there's anything else that went past that i feel like it was just kind of like to him just like being like i failed that failure and uh or failed at failing that i remember that being the biggest thing or whatever and uh, i mean you, you pity him and i i wonder how oh, where, where, where's he go past that after that moment where he, he kind of like says that whole thing mm-hmm. um what what happens like after that do, do i does does uh do i ever say anything else that comfort yeah, you talk There's, about how like um jen kind of like needs billy to keep her ground when she starts doing the magic and kind of like she kind of loses herself in the magic a little bit that Billy is mm-hmm. the only person who can keep her um, almost physically present so you sort of you know you you give him that pep talk you're like look you're good at this 
you're not you're not a failure you're good at this thing and it's a really important thing it's sort of like that and and try to make him you know feel you know proud or at least not ashamed of like a, a support role of, of being there um, to support a woman mm-hmm. but I think that right there is a good a good aspect that, that touches on a lot I mean that that also is well you're going against like traditional households and blah blah like the whole quote unquote traditional right mm-hmm. but like the idea of patriarchy and kind of attaching it that way where it's like not just simply I think a lot of times it goes around who's the breadwinner mm-hmm. it's like kind of like the, the current conversation of like all right is it okay yeah 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 which obviously it is right but like um i think in terms of also going further and taking like the economics out of it and or the microeconomics out of it and looking at actually like the roles and household roles like can you be a supportive person as just like a cis hetero man like can you do that and not be like not have this type of uh toxic masculinity it also always pushes you to be kind of like a selfish shitty person i don't know do you know what i mean um yeah that's real that's real I, yeah I, I wonder that because i feel like he is making that journey but um yeah, no, it's just just tossing these things out these are things i'm pulling up this script by the way so i can look over all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like shedding, shedding that skin and then replacing it with something right it's like it's not just about tearing down you know the, the wall so to speak uh, of toxic masculinity but then building a fence you know building something that's porous and that is is useful and that's um uh just putting something in the place of it you know which is a equality this a sense that that roles can be that roles are interchangeable and fluid um, i'd never heard that fence analogy before i, I like that. yeah and it's, i think it's, it's like boundary speak mm-hmm. self-help realm stuff mm-hmm. And I think, oh, boundaries. Be, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. I was gonna say there's a book called Beyond Boundaries, which is great. But whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I think that um, Mimbulus, who left the comment, actually uh, got it right when they said that he's trying to unlearn the years and years of toxic masculinity because Absolutely. it's definitely a process for him. He's not, you know, he's not there yet, and it's a tough process for him. But I think he's yeah. really trying to to unlearn all of that because if you look at, at his background too where he's kind of like that football star trying to be going in through almost these these more he's known for football and it's more of a, a violent action and now he's he needs to be there in much more of uh, it's still through action it's still through talking and just speaking but he's been taking all these strides throughout this entire series to get to this point of uh, of he's been he's been trying to fight he's been trying to fight his way into being a vital member and to now need to talk is he's just finally getting there and finally learning to change that gear but the gears are grinding as he's going and it's it's a hard thing when when your whole life is that and you're young because another thing that i keep trying to remember is that these guys are like pretty pretty young kids we put on a lot of stuff on them when we uh threw them into you know a fantasy it's like it's a portal fantasy it's weird i don't know um but yeah um it's something though that like i think it's a it's something that a lot of people go through when they like graduate and when they kind of get away from the hometown and billy has had these real moments where he's like hey i know i'm gonna be like i'm the high school jock and then i'm not gonna my my trail of doing that is gonna run out and then what am i and he's 
had those real moments and he's kind of thought about them, but he hasn't seen it in action. And I think that's kind of what is coming to head for him too in these moments mm. um, where he has to kind of face that reality in this fantastical world. Um, but yeah. And to piggyback on that, you used yeah. football. You mentioned football. It's like he's having to learn to use instead of a physical muscle, he's having to learn to use his, his brain more. You know, not that, you know, football plays don't use their brain, but you, would, you know, he's exercising another and strengthening other muscles that yeah. he doesn't as readily. Mm-hmm. His heart, his mind, his spirit, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the witch hall too, though. There, there's also this this aspect of, uh, to me, it, it seems almost like this thing of we're, we're taking someone who feels like, uh, how do I do it? I guess the thing that points that that that, that I, I that attracts me about Billy's character is that he's self-aware. And I think a lot of times people that are are capable or do like very toxic things or toxic masculine things or patriarchal or kind of like exist in that type of mindset, they can sometimes be self-aware. I think that that is something that isn't oftentimes addressed. It's not like uh, you know they know that something's up or that oh you know what I know I'm picking early and like what are you gonna do if you know that you oftentimes give up. You're like oh, well there's no other choice. I think kind of him pushing himself and doing the work to try to like make himself into something that can last longer than just the high school years, the glory days of high school. Uh, that's a that's a, a challenge and a story you don't really see a lot. You kind of see like, oh, dumb jock, doesn't realize he's a dumb jock, doesn't realize he's going to peak. And it's like, well, no, they oftentimes do. And they're like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. This is all I got. So I, I think that type of, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. It's like, it's not really like meta. It's just like a real character. Do you know what I mean? Like this, this is how you get it, you know? I mean, this, the struggle is sort of happening in real time. We catch him on the journey. I don't know that he's, he's it's like he's his, his self-awareness is awakening and he's kind of mm-hmm. going yeah. through that process and we're watching it and how uncomfortable it is and how he's kind of like two steps forward, one step back. And, you know, that that's an also really interesting piece of it, you know, that it's not finished, one, yeah. not easy, that it's not like, oh, I haven't, I've had an awakening in a five minute conversation that it doesn't work that way. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it often takes time for people to break out of, like you said, to break out of these sort of tropes, you know, yeah. damaging tropes, both to ourselves and to society. Um, but it's great to watch him go on that journey. Mm-hmm. In, in kind of somewhat in parallel to Brennan's journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, now I can see it's real. And you have the age spectrum, right? You have the intergenerational piece of it. You've got a young boy, not a young boy, but an adolescent mm-hmm. and, a, and a, you know, a geriatric warrior. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, geriatric <laughs> warrior. <laughs> And seeing his limitations as well and having him go, okay, well, how can I be useful when I'm puking my guts out? Right. You know, on, on this mm-hmm. ship. Yeah. Um, right. And not really useful, you know, with my might anymore at this moment. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Right. His body kind of failed him in that moment. Yeah. Uh, so what else do I have? Um, before we move on to the next mm. thing, I just want to uh, say, chat, um, uh, Kat is saying, pulling up the script when you're having a discussion about this podcast is the most relatable thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> In the in the fan Discord, there's a pin dispelling message. <laughs> That's actually pretty excellent. Yeah. Um, sorry, not sorry for the spelling choices no. that we made. Yeah. 
Speaking speaking of spelling choices and similar that we made, this is actually a nice segue to our next topic, if people don't mind. Um, yes. We can't discuss this chapter without the name of the chapter. I've been working on the whale road. And <laughs> when we came up with it, Greg said he would quit if we stuck with the name. No, Greg, Greg did not anti. want it. Oh, Greg was anti. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Greg, Greg said he was here to announce my retirement. Um, <laughs> I've had a wonderful time at this podcast. <laughs> Not everything with it, but uh, I think yeah. this, it's, the, it's the appropriate time to, you know, take a step back and oh, myself. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, sometimes it brings me to a dark place, and I, you know, just start seeing red, and uh, yeah. So I know that uh, the the the, um, the person who sent in the question mentioned Beowulf. I, I don't know yeah. the reference, but when the war when the great when Beowulf was brought in, I was like, oh, okay, I'm cool with that. <laughs> now you gotta explain it to me but i was like oh okay there you go right so, yeah, so i'll let christian explain it because christian's kind of the the one who probably has thoughts so the question um from lona ravenclaw on tumblr i think is there any significance to the fact that whale road comes from beowulf i know that beowulf is one of the earliest uses of the etymological ancestor to the word orc um not to mention that one of the biggest themes of the poem has to do with what makes a good ruler does this mean anything so christian go ahead do your thing <laughs> yeah you're gonna have and you're gonna i'm gonna go as quick as i can and then cut me off before i go too long because i'll talk about this uh for too long so um we weren't directly drawing from beowulf thematically other than that uh beowulf was a huge influence on tolkien and of course we're drawing on a lot of tolkien um uh whale Road doesn't necessarily come from beowulf it is a figure of speech in uh germanic poetry called the kenning and the thing with kennings is right so like uh bits of writing that are meant to be memorized you know songs and poems and things like that you usually need some sort of like tool to help you um memorize them which is why most of our songs rhyme um but for uh old a lot of older languages including anglo-saxon um everything conjugates and declines which means that the ending of the words tells you what part of speech it is so if you start to futz with the endings of words the sentences quickly become incoherent so it's very very difficult to rhyme um, in those languages so instead this most of the songs and poems in those languages um, alliterate uh, so like the the consonants at the beginning of the word match instead of the the vowels at the end of the word um, and so oftentimes then in in those kind of poems you know let's say I need to say ocean but they're like the word in order to fit the the meter and the pattern I need a word that starts with like with like an H sound to fit the alliteration pattern I'll make up this kind of convoluted uh, like roundabout way of saying ocean that that uses so the line in Beowulf is I think uh, 
um, uh, Ufer Hron Rada Huren Skulden Gomben Gud like um, so that those H sounds needed to match so and the the Hron Rada is is whale whale road and there's lots of other similar things in uh, Old Norse poetry and Old English poetry uh, great but whale road Swan Road um, uh, you know there's probably like fish fish alley yeah some, some, some something something like, like that uh, fish street um, yeah so that's that's happening and if you and if you read up uh, the Wikipedia page on Kennings you'll learn more about them um, modern German has a lot of things that are similar to Kennings because German decided to just stop adding words in like 1750 um, <laughs> and so you get delightful sentence constructions in German like uh, how um, a motorcycle literally translates to fire chair <laughs> and yeah so that's Kennings and that's why we did it and I thought it was funny and it made Ian laugh and I'm done now well, that was wow. super interesting. You're a big nerd. <laughs> yep. Take away from the fact that it was super interesting. Um, that was really good. I would just like to say, I I did after uh, word got out about the title of it and about the internal dispute about it that my dad messaged me and thanked me for objecting heavily. <laughs> and this is, this is my dad who is a, a big advocate for dad jokes and dad puns. So. <laughs> Just, I'm just saying. That's all. <laughs> Your objection is noted. Please don't quit. I like you. Noted as <laughs> Uh, we'll take it up in the next contract review. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just imagining your dad is kind of like, kind of like a tear falls to his eyes. Like you did good. You stood up for us, right? <laughs> you never do that. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. That's pretty funny. You're right. <laughs> One of those things. Okay, so that's, that's that about the title. Um, unless anyone else has a last, a last thought about the whale road. Um, the next thing we wanted to talk about was the song Maddie Groves from this episode. Um, so it's a pretty uh, interesting song. Uh, Christian, I don't know if you, want to want, if you want to talk about how it sort of came together that we got the song in there. And then we could talk a little bit about the song in the plot because it really was a bit of a moment for Arlene there. Yeah. So, uh, this is the time to say happy pride. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Happy pride. Yeah, that. Happy pride. Um, happy pride. That was not Wait, necessarily. Happy... Go for it. Oh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to say happy pride. I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. Uh, I heard happy pride. I was like, and two people said it. I was like, I think I should say happy pride. Should I, like, <laughs> we're all saying it, or did I just, I'm just throwing things no. in. Happy pride. <laughs> all right, cool. Making sure. Saying that we weren't uh, specifically planning for this song to come out right at this time of year, but it seems to have worked out. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Christian, do you want to talk about the sort of the technical aspect of this song and then we can discuss even more? Yeah, yeah. It's because it was kind of, uh, kind of a bonkers way to record a song, um, mm -hmm. uh, but it was like so invigorating to, to do it. Um, uh, my wife, Jess, uh, is on, sorry, uh, my wife uh, is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, she's on a, a musical improv team um, and 
and you know so i've seen them perform and i i kind of knew that they had the ability to just come up with a pretty kick-ass song on the spot um and i loved the idea of kind of having that live raw raucous energy um in the studio in a show that it's otherwise um pretty scripted um so we had them come in they recorded a bunch of other songs that they just completely made up um on the spot um there's a couple that uh that we didn't uh put in the episode but they're all really good um the one that you hear when um uh, spoilers when uh when bryce is dying they made that up right there on they had never that was their first take ever doing that song um the the dirty limericks that they do um we knew they were gonna sing dirty limericks but we didn't have words or a melody or anything like that so that was um that was all there on the spot um the outtakes for this that we're gonna play at the end of this when we do it on the podcast feed uh, are going to be filthy even by the standards of this show uh because of a song that they did that did not make it into the episode um but yeah for maddie groves um we had the we had the lyrics and we had basically i forget how long we had with uh with the singers and with anya in the studio at the same time but it was it was not terribly long it was probably like an hour hour and a half um and so they figured out um they had you know a a melody that they liked and and it worked with their voices and and with uh the harmonies and with the lyrics um and so they taught that song to anya on the day um we did a rehearsal of it like one rehearsal take and then we recorded it i think twice with maybe um a couple pickups and it was recorded uh all live um anya had one mic and the singers were all together in like one stereo array um shout out to jared paul who's a brilliant recording engineer um recorded all of wolf 359 we're really really glad to have jared on our team because he knocked that out of the park um so that was all recorded yeah basically live two and a half takes maybe that we spliced together in the episode and then we overdubbed the stomps and claps that was the only overdub we did and we did the stomps by literally uh laying a two by four on top of a a forklift pallet and sticking a mic in it and just stomping the crap out of it um so uh yeah we did all that and uh i'm i'm so happy with how that that song came out and um anya is a trooper for like that was you know that's she's used to doing pretty scripted stuff so that was kind of outside of her um her comfort zone but i think uh but she was like you know i we obviously we told her what we were going to do ahead of time and and kind of had the agreement of like no it's a little good to like because arlene is outside of uh her comfort zone in that that moment so um anya and i both agreed that it you use it yeah exactly exactly Mm -hmm. and yeah it was it was definitely in in plot outside of arlene's comfort zone too like she's still sort of just getting used to the singing thing like singing publicly in general because i imagine she was pretty sheltered when she was living in the castle and then you know she's sort of like a she's kind of making up the words on the spot in the fiction and b it's kind of her first time really like stepping out and speaking against her brother so i thought that that's kind of cool how the 
the sort of production aspects line up with the plot aspects. And she had kind of bombed the first time. So there was that right. pressure. There was that yeah. like anxiety to like knock it out the park the second time. Um, by the way, I mean, I thought the whole season, I keep saying season, please. Yeah. Chapter. <laughs> chapter. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. No. Uh, the, whole, the whole chapter I thought was, was great, but that episode sonically, I just, it blew me away. So congratulations. My God, it was so cool. Thank you. Yeah, and, all, and shout out to, to Ollie Morris too, who uh, did all the post the post mixing uh, on that on that episode. I I agree that it sounded great. Yeah, all the everyone who worked on that and all the post production, everything, all the recording is incredible. What everyone managed to do, and I wasn't involved in any of the post stuff, so I could compliment it and not be bragging about myself. So <laughs> really, everyone who did it, great job. Um, great job. And. With how uh, the timing worked out, we, we released the episode of with the song in it, and there was immediately an outcrying from the audience to have a place to download that song themselves. And so we immediately cranked out a version to put onto our Bandcamp page, but unfortunately there's some pretty heinous things going on in this country right now. So we decided to take the opportunity that all of the, the sales of this song for the first week we would donate to charity incredibly for for us for our size of podcast we sold uh 60 worth of song in just one week which by our numbers is incredible so um thank you everyone for uh supporting hopefully the good cause instead of us or both but um <laughs> we will be donating that money to races um we had initially said a different podcast and or sorry a different charity and I know that uh, some of us had individually donated to that charity but after seeing how things have played out we think that races will be a good source I don't know Christian if you want to talk about that a bit yeah I th- it was just you know when we when we at first put out the episode we kind of um, or I'm sorry first put out the track we listed one group of charities that was uh, kind of doing like immediate triage in a way and then as as time went on and and, and it started to become clear or who was going to be able to do the most uh, immediate work um, on on the ground? Um, it, it seemed like uh, racist was was a better choice. It's the Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Surface, uh, Services, and you can find more about them at uh, races r a i c e s texas dot org. Um, so that's where yeah, that's where the sixty bucks is going to be going. And thank you to everybody um, who who bought the song and uh, and uh, helped us uh, try to do some good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that sort of leads us into another question that we got that's a little different from what we normally discuss. It's not directly related to this chapter of the podcast at all, but it's kind of, I guess, related to current events. So this is going to get a little serious for a bit. Um, we've received a question from Ella Darling on Twitter. Um, the question read, I only just finished book one and I'm listening to a statement regarding recent events how did you make the decision to create that message what was the process so just to uh fill in or remind everyone what that statement was and what ella is talking about we released a statement um it was i looked it up november 20th 2016 shortly after the u.s presidential election and we were i hope the only organization in history to quote Anne frank and bill and ted's excellent adventure in the same <laughs> sentence, which 
which I personally was pretty proud of, but um, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> in, in all in all seriousness, this was basically a message that we put out asking our audience to treat each other well, essentially. Um, we decried and condemned hatred of all forms and asked our audience to basically combat hatred with love and uh, community and helpfulness. So um, I just wanted to discuss this for a few minutes because when we got this question, I was thinking about it a lot and uh, the world has kind of changed even in the just year and a half since 2016. So I wanted to talk for a few minutes about what was going through my mind then and maybe Christian wants to talk about what was going through his mind then and then we can sort of um, open it up to discuss you know anything you know how those sentiments have aged or how people view that now if that's okay with everyone yeah um, so so I guess because I'm moderating I'll decide to go first um, so when that statement or when at that time in late 2016 and it wasn't I want to say it wasn't just the outcome of the election that was sort of like the, the the big visible point but all through late 2016 there seemed to be a uh, an amplification or a crescendo of a lot of uh hateful and hurtful rhetoric um certainly surrounding the election but also just out in the world and you know, that sort of culminated in the outcome of that election and we knew you know through social media and just real world interaction that many people were hurting and they were scared and they were angry at that point. And the first thing that was most important to us was that we didn't want to be adding more anger or fear into the world. We didn't want to be fear-mongering or anything. We thought that to those members of our audience who were uh, truly uh, fearful, that what they needed most at that moment was some message of support and of hope. So that was, that was our first and primary goal. And then the second thing which was important to me at the time and honestly now feels a little bit naive but at the time it was important to me that we try our best not to alienate anyone with this statement um, I always thought that from when we started this show we obviously have a point of view that we're trying to communicate um, we have you know a message we're trying to share but I never wanted to share that message in a way that is um, alienating to someone who may not disagree and part of that is uh, tactical in the sense that you know if you alienate everyone who disagrees with you you'll never be able to reach them with your message but part of that is I think it's just the right thing to do so when we crafted that message um, we weren't you know we tried not to directly mention the election or any party in the election we were just saying hate is bad love is good and that was sort of our our idea moving forward and I've rambled on enough that someone else wants to jump in. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I, I'm going to just talk really briefly, and then I, I want to hear what everybody else um, thinks before I, I circle back. But uh, for me, it was kind of like, you know, what um, what Zach was saying is, how do you how do you have um, you know a big tent so that people can learn and grow without just like letting bullies force out the most vulnerable members of of a community? And so that message um, for me was kind of just establishing like, hey, here's a baseline of what we're going to require in terms of, of treatment, of just like 
basic empathy and and affording human dignity uh you know and that seemed that assumption kind of seemed um in question for me in public more than it it had been uh visibly to me in in my lifetime before that um so that was kind of just us saying okay here's if you want to be you know we're going to keep this tent as big as we can but here's what you have to adhere to here's the level of empathy you need to show to everybody else if you want to to stay in that tent and it's it's strange because we maybe not strange in hindsight but uh we, we only got like one real bit of hate mail over it and not even hate mail just someone saying you know i was listening to the show to like avoid politics and then you know this comes along and we were super careful in the way we worded that statement to not you know we weren't we didn't say like fuck trump and fuck everyone who voted for <laughs> and if you're a republican unfollow me and like a lot of our peers at the time um were were doing that and uh and i totally get where that's coming from and if you follow my uh personal twitter it's not that far from that um but we were very careful in terms of framing it just in terms of accountability and boundaries and that someone was like oh now you're like shitting on my politics and it's kind of like dude if you're like if empathy and human rights feel you know antagonistic to your politics think about your politics that that's that's the line we're gonna draw you know mm-hmm. but uh, and I, I have i have more to say but I, I think it's really important to hear what everybody else uh is feeling about that that message i mean i'll, I'll say that i feel like uh for me i'm very much I would say I'm like far left or just like very like radical or anything like that. But but for me, I'm it's, it's less about like my mind politics and being radical and more about like just being fed up. Do you know what I mean? So like for me, it's like originally I, I, I would always like parse my words and be like, oh, maybe this and that and maybe it's. And what I found is that in, in the middle of that, there is the there's a certain type of vulnerability you have to take that no one's going to take advantage of that and uh, take it out of context and then start some other false flag or some other like, you know, not false flags, a false uh, straw man argument. Do you know what I mean? So like the whole idea of like, uh, like when, when people said uh, like diversity, right? We wanted to use the word diversity and all of a sudden it became, well, what about diversity of thought? And then everyone else, like women and minorities and, and LGBT folks like got left behind because a lot of conservatives tried to force this idea that you like diversity, right? Well, then that means that you like this. And it's like, that's not, we were just trying to make it so it's inclusive. And, and so for me, like I was happy to participate because it brought back a certain type of trust you have to have with the person who's watching or, or listening to your message, that they're going to understand that you're trying to be inclusive of them, that you're, you know, you may not have the exact same thing, but they know where you're coming from and that you're trying to give out a, an, an olive branch. It's, it's been a while since I've seen anyone that, that does that, I guess on, on our level, that is like earnest about these things. You know what I mean? Um, so it's tough, you know, and like that, that's another boundary that I think we said. It's like, you got to engage in, in good faith and yeah, the, the basic humanity of other people in the conversation of the community can't be up for debate, you know? Yeah. Once that's up for debate, you know, you, 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 in, in some ways you've already lost the argument, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you said you got that one response and I don't want to spend too much time on that um, as, a, as an outlier, but, you know, I kind of feel like if somebody responds that way to the podcast, have they not been listening? You know, <laughs> You know, yeah. one of the things, and I told you this, Christian, and I think I've said it in, in our Q and A's before, that one of the things that made me want to accept the invitation to be involved was 
because it was glaring from within the first few episodes or the first season or whatever that chapter or whatever <laughs> it was pretty clear what the point of view was mm-hmm. uh, and so it's just a little bit ironic to me that someone would say oh now you want to shit on my politics but at the same time that that kind of pinpoint the way that there are some people for whom you know I say this all the time for me the personal is political there's no separation for me yeah you know? yeah and so you know but there are some people who have that privilege you know so so you know for someone thank you thank you for saying that <laughs> someone to listen to a message like that and you know to, to have already missed the point that the show does you know it is political in the sense that it is making a decision to be to include and center voices that have typically not been centered and uh, and, and, and included in this genre or in this way or to this to this extent you know so there's that piece of it the other thing mm-hmm. I was I just I literally just listened to it last night and when I when when Zach sent us around the questions and sort of gave us a heads up about what to expect um, you know I wasn't sure what the statement would be like and I actually I I wondered whether it would be more in that vein of fuck Trump or or, or sort of in, in a different um, have take a different take and I do appreciate um, what you that 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 that, that your focus was on, like you said, sort of laying the groundwork, like a message of encouragement, a message of support, um, you know, and sort of having that be the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's, it's a tricky thing to um, to not alienate people, um, you know, and I do think that that's an important thing to do because the fact is, you know, there are people out there who can be influenced in a positive way and whose, whose minds and, and and perspectives can be broadened and you don't necessarily want to shut them out right. at the same time like you were saying you don't you do want to make it clear that look this is a space that you're coming into where you might not be used to being the person who is the focus of it you know and uh and that if you are going to be antagonistic to the people who whose voices are are, are, are being centered in a way that they haven't been before then this probably isn't for you mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um so I mean, I hope that makes sense. It was no, probably a roundabout, but but so so the, so the bottom line is that I felt like it was a really positive and, and, and a way to be diplomatic, but also um, yeah, effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for, I, for saying so. Can I can I like, can I touch on this? Like yeah. that is like, and thank you for talking about this, Shannon. Because like for me personally, like I get annoyed when someone says that it's, it's politics, and like not the, not the crap on whoever made the post. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like the argument being made is that is that these laws and, and, and ideologies that influence our laws by politicians and elected officials that we that we put in place that they don't somehow affect our livelihood and our personal lives I think that's like you said it's a privileged position I, I don't know I think at the end of the day like if you one you didn't mention anything about politics but two at the end of the day like if you're not if you think that's politics to, to talk about certain issues or whatever then you're not you're not thinking about it as much you, you might not see how it influences you, if it makes any sense. I think a lot of times, like it's just human nature that if it affects you, then you're going to be more concerned. And I think that's that's. I mean, it's just privilege. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's just like a privileged answer. But a lot of times, it just indicates that we, you know, somehow there, it does affect us. It always affects us, but we might not know how it does. Right. It makes any I mean, sense. I think politics um, kind of hides itself from the powerful. Like that's yeah part of the, the function. Yeah, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. And and, and just, it kind of disguises.
disguises itself as normal and default when I mean, yeah. no, that's exactly what it is yeah every single aspect of how a society is organized at some point is a is a was a political decision that people yeah did or didn't agree to go along with you know almost mm-hmm. everything is political and honestly in a way i mean aside from that person you know lashing out and clearly not getting the message in a way that's almost the type of person who i would hope you know i mean here's it yeah it's unfortunate that they haven't Mm -hmm. heard that before but just by like hearing our story maybe they can start thinking about things in a way that they didn't before so that's Mm -hmm. sort of the reason why i didn't want to alienate anyone if they could you know if maybe that person can hear the story and even just think about it a little bit to themselves yeah Mm -hmm. something i've been thinking about a lot because you see all these like like all these new york times op-eds that uh, like take the idea of like oh we should talk to this just absurd extreme where it's like oh if you know black trans women were just nicer to nazis then we wouldn't have not and it's like no (laughs) yeah yeah but like like i think you know because and let me let me be clear about how i say this because in talking about like keeping the the tent big and trying to change minds i don't blame anyone for deciding that they're not going to engage in a conversation like some conversations Mm -hmm. are unsafe for some people um some conversations will just like you're not obligated to make yourself unsafe you're not obligated to just you know tank your mental health you're not obligated to Mm -hmm. save all of your time into trying to convince people who are arguing in bad faith which happens a lot um but i think that you know for me it's like one dimension of privilege is that um conversations that would be uh dangerous or damaging for other people are merely uncomfortable for me yeah so i try to like i think that's a reasonable standard is like have try to have the conversation that is merely uncomfortable for you that would be dangerous or triggering or something for somebody else Mm. that's kind of where i come from so it's like you know your uncle who kind of could maybe be swayed by you but isn't quite there yet like that's a good conversation to have you know pretending that uh nazis are arguing in good faith is not you know a worthwhile conversation and that was kind of you know we did another kind of statement like this right after charlottesville and that was kind of what we said Mm -hmm. real yeah i weirdly think that this can kind of almost fold into part of our discussion with billy and that it's kind of trying to open people in in what you're talking about having a having a bigger tent and having it be more inclusive where we're trying to open the eyes to some people about what's going on and what people go through and what their voices are and like hey look there are other you know human beings over here that are going through xyz that you have no idea about and i know that i have been exposed to a lot of it and that i'm trying to adjust in my way of actions and my way of thinking and i know that right after the election the day after the election i woke up with just uh a very sense of fear for uh, a lot of people i knew all of a sudden just came out of nowhere all of a sudden i was afraid for a significant a lot a lot amount of my friends um which was not something that i was used to um but it was a very real thing that i was feeling and then being able to participate in this statement even by um 
I'm not really good at words and saying them despite being on multiple podcasts. I am bad at structuring my words well in what feels like they can be more meaningful and impactful for both myself and the people around me. Um, and so to be able to participate in something that is more inclusive and hopefully is eye-opening, but also very clearly defines where we as a group kind of stand on things was enormously powerful and helpful for me personally. Um, so thank you guys. Um, and it, it helped kind of open the door of like, you know, I'm it's going to be okay for me to uh, approach people about XYZ topic. Like I'm not going to just shove my foot in my mouth by taking a stand on certain things if I can go about it in certain ways. So, um, and that kind of narrative has obviously evolved over the past months since then. Um, but I, I think it, at least for me, it helped kind of push towards being able to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, And I just mm -hmm. want to add, um, Alyssa in the live chat mentioned how fiction is how um, fiction is how I developed a lot of my empathy. And I think that's really true. Um, thank you, Alyssa, for sharing and chatting. But I think that's part of the big power of fiction. And that's sort of what, you know, when we set out to the show, like we, you know, we know that fiction is very powerful. Sometimes it's an underestimated powerful force, I think. Yeah. I think it was probably, I, I forget exactly, but it was probably Bruce Springsteen said that, um, like, uh, fiction can be kind of a, a roadmap to empathy. You know, you, you take fiction as a way to, like, put you inside of somebody else's journey, you know, and it, it can be very effective for that. Mm -hmm. As an aside, I am wearing a Bruce Springsteen shirt right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I was thinking, I saw, like... <laughs> Am I the movie, the Broadway show? Are you going to see it? I don't have that. So you're a big fan. I would like There's to. There's a Broadway show? Yeah, 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 he has a he has a one man show on Broadway, but I I don't have that. Oh, oh, I thought they did a like jukebox musical with all Springsteen oh, shows. No, no he's there. I mean, apparently, the ticket is a hot ticket. But Christian, you said you're not going. I can't afford that. Like, his, I whenever he's in town, I go to the concerts because the concerts are actually usually pretty affordable for an artist of of his size. But the Broadway show is out of control. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just him. It's just him with like a guitar and a piano. Uh, Rush tickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the funny part about that is there was an old SNL skit called <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Just the Stories, which yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Um, you know, they had, uh, who was it? It was someone famous pretending to be Bruce Springsteen. And it was Ben Stiller. It was Ben Stiller. And the yeah. whole SNL Honestly, skit was like a DVD box set of just Bruce Springsteen's stories in between his songs and his concerts. And <laughs> right. now, from what I've heard, that's basically what his Broadway show is. Yeah. Well, yeah, the well, Tony performance was basically him sitting and talking, and I was very confused. <laughs> <You're not. laughs> well, somebody could going to make it work like, um, so I, I thought the show was a concert. I was like, well, it's not really a concert because he like, he tells a lot of stories before he does the songs. And I was like, okay, so, so it actually is like a concert. <laughs> like, and like, Patty it's comes a spoken up. word concert. Yeah. There you go. It actually is like a concert. Yeah. style, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for that. Okay, sorry. sorry for that diversion from the serious 
need to bring it back white a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to cut anyone off if anyone else has something they want to add to this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but if if everyone has said their piece, um, thank you to the audience for uh, allowing us this little bit of retrospection and introspection. Um, yeah, what, thanks, Ella, for the question. Yeah, thanks uh, for the question, Ella. I know you're a little behind on the show, so we'll try to tag this uh, area so you don't get everything else spoiled for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will We will try to do that. That's, that's not Sorry, big. Sorry, can I just make one little tiny, I just don't want to say one little other tiny thing, um, and, and just sort of plug and, and, and um, sort of big up the show in the sense of um, one of the other pieces in the, that's important in diversity and inclusion is that um, the people at the table uh, are not just the, the people performing in, a, and in front of the, you know, not the camera, but in yeah. front of the room, right? So I, I, I really appreciate that there's an effort to have the writing team also be diverse and have people like myself yeah. to tell stories that relate to our experiences because it really makes a difference when the person telling the story uh, is reflected by, is, is, is reflected in, in, in the story itself. So mm-hmm. props for that. Yeah, I second that. Props. And thank well, you guys for, for yeah. joining us and like, you know, a random podcast is kind of a, out on a limb for you guys to go and spend your time on. So thank you for, you know, you know, sharing your time and your experiences with us. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Thank, thank you for having us. Oh, you're welcome. That was, I thought you were talking to the audience. You're welcome. Oh, no, no, oh, lies. To you. <laughs> oh, you were? Okay, cool. I thought I, thought I misinterpreted. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm no, no, no. <laughs> All right, cool. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, kind of be bullshit otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Now to talk to the audience. Um, Lila in chat wants us yeah. to say their name. So hi, Lila. Um, uh, Did we say that right? Uh, Lila? In chat. Lila, la, la. Um, la, 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 That's, that's all I got. Is that good? Hey, person. Yeah. Hopefully that's good. Um, yeah, so to lighten up the discussion a little bit, um, we got a question from Pub Loco on Tumblr saying, in book one, we saw three members of the party affected by a poison that made them hallucinate, confront their inner demons. My question is, what would other members of the party see if they were put in this situation? And do you think they would be able to overcome it like the kids did? So we can talk about uh, the other party members if they were having these kind of terrifying hallucinations. But we also got a comment in chat earlier from Lona Ravenclaw about high Brennan. So we could also talk about, you know, other drugs and what the rest of the party would be like on various substances. <laughs> hmm. That's actually like this really great deep. Because the, uh, like the, the, the elf, which I, I just call it elf weed, but I don't think he even works the same way as weed. But like the elf weed or whatever, like that's... Cannab root. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking like, all right, cool. How would Brennan be like on a weed or cannab root, as we would call it? He's, well, he gets very introspective. That's it. Yeah, right? Yes. <laughs> I wonder, like... Garrett, shout out to Garrett's performance in that. Garrett and Frank together, who just had... Who recorded that separately, and uh, were just, like, great about, like, okay, you need to be really, you know, serious so that so that Billy's reaction can, like... Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was well done. But, yeah, um, Alyssa in the chat doesn't want to remember the feels from the hallucinations. Um, they, they were pretty intense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just... 
kind of real quick and we can expand on this. It's like Brennan would see his his dad and, um, you know, Regan would see her sister and uh, Nia would see her parents being disappointed in her and Yulwin would see his parents being disappointed in, in him, I think, is the short like. And I think the idea that everybody has kind of you know, all of our main cast is hurt, you know, mm. um, that's like a big thing for the, sh- the show to me. But I really wanted to focus in the reason I chose to really focus in on the kids um, trauma at that point was like, I think kind of at this point, the lame way to do um, portal fantasy is to be like, oh, these kids, I think it have they think they have it so tough in their modern teenage American life. And now here's a world where things are actually tough, but um, kind of going back a little bit to the politics, like a big point of the show is like um, all of these kids have each, each of them has in their own way kind of been um, brutalized by, by life in, in modern America. And that was something to sink my, my teeth into. So um, I'll, I'll shut up now and open it up to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I was going to say to tag on to that, like transport or transporting to the fantasy world didn't fix those problems either. It's not. Right. And mm-hmm. like, those problems, you know, like you said, some stories are like, oh, now you can appreciate what you had in the real world. No, that's not what we're doing. Like, you still have problems. You're just now somewhere else. And probably those people have problems, too. And they're not easy problems to fix, to be honest. Like, you know, just being somewhere mm-hmm. else doesn't necessarily fix it. And it's like something that's worth, I guess, discussing and inspecting a bit. Well, it's it's, it's process, right? It's like it's showing... Uh, you know, you show the history, the background, um, and they're in this new world. And like you said, it doesn't fix anything. Uh, but we see them working all that stuff out as they live and deal with these issues that they have confronted in this new world. You know, so that's a really great thing, too. Again, it's like, you know, it's the journey, not the destination to, to see me mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a little bit. But, you know, but that's what it is. And, and, um, and that's really uh, compelling. But it's a wild experience. It, it, I think that also like that, that makes me think about the. Um, uh, it, it makes me like kind of realize that 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 choice to be like, well, you know what, like your problems are still going to stay the same no matter what time reference is. It makes it harder for you to solve that as a writer and so it's like it's it's harder writing basically you, you can't like it's not an easy out it's not like well you see like it was so tough back then so you might as well accept your lot in life right. it's like well no like they still have the same thing so that 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 problem is a little bit more difficult than simply just making a, a plot reference or a plot change you know what i mean i think like that it just makes for better writing to be like, well, you know what? No, no, that, that, that whole thing of like, young people are all crazy today. Well, they're crazy back then. So what are you gonna do now? Like that type of thing, you know? So I like it. I, I like it a lot. It makes it a lot. It just kind of makes me realize that that also lends itself to making these characters so much more like real. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for the second part of the question from Pabloco, um, would, would everyone else in the party be able to overcome their hallucinations as well as the kids did i think that's kind of an interesting question and yeah the the easy answer is sort of you know when we write a story we can make the protagonists overcome you know but they're like i don't know what not overcoming yeah in in a fiction would look like well i think it would be making the same mistakes you know um and i think you know my actually my instinct and maybe people will feel differently but um is that at the time when the kids had their hallucinations 
I don't know if the rest of the party would have been able to get through. Mm. Like, I think the kids had done, you know, a ton of character movement in book one, um, but the the party was in many ways pretty static uh, in terms of their character journeys. And now that there's been this major event that the kids understand better because of their experiences, now it's forcing the the Yordic characters into their, you know, realizations. You know, Brennan's got to do <gasps> the racism that he learned and, and Regan's got to learn how to be a team player and Yolene's got to learn with the, the racism he learned, you know, all that all that stuff. So I mm-hmm. think kind of the Yordic characters are doing most of their growth in book two. And I think we saw that with Regan. Like, she almost didn't overcome it at the, the start of book two when she really starts lashing out against Jen and Nia like she really retreated into her shell and almost didn't pull through it. I think you're right. Um, yeah. Well, well, it's also it also gets at you know again this idea of process. I mean, the kids haven't like they're not they haven't fixed everything. You know, so this, the the pushing through the hallucinations was like a breakthrough, but they still have more work to do. You know, uh, which is which is again very realistic and just to sort of like piggyback on what Paul was saying about writing it in a sort of meta way. It's like you know you're taught to. Uh, show don't tell right you know we want action we want to you know don't say well this this is such and such and such and such happened but let us see it let us see it happen and that's what's what is good about the writing um in the series is that you know we see the action you know and the progress and the steps and the fall the pitfalls and the fallbacks and the victories and um it's very realistic in that way and I think that's something good about that. something that's so long for. And believe me, like not a day goes by that I don't ask myself, like, why didn't I write a smaller thing <laughs> that wasn't going to take so long? But kind of a nice thing. And this is a thing that, you know, I think is happening now that kind of uh, cable TV is is like really high quality writing, too. Now, that a thing you can do in a really long form thing you can't do in a two hour movie is you can really, you know, sink your teeth into, yeah, that process that you keep talking about, kind of like the two steps forward, one step back. And like, you know, in a movie, um, it's like, you know, take like a romance movie. Basically, the couple has one big fight at the end of act two uh, that, you know, reveals each of their weaknesses. But then, you know, they solve it. And then the implication is that they're fine after that and in reality you know the same fight probably repeats dozens of times over the course of a relationship as everybody slowly learns and hopefully makes you know you know two steps forward one step back yeah uh, and so i think that's a good thing about long form writing is you can really uh show that in a more realistic way mm-hmm. we've definitely got the long form part down i could <laughs> <Yeah>. say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh we're, we're drafting we're drafting chapter five sorry everybody <laughs> <laughs> so it's been what six years i was i thought that was, that was six, six right uh the first our first episode dropped september of 2013 and wow. we were writing it for probably a year before okay. that maybe uh, it's yeah wow. <laughs> i think about congratulations thanks <laughs> Some might say, some might say that if it takes you three hours to run a mile, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> but I, then I, you know, I go back and I look at the body of. This is a marathon, is it not? Yeah, is that not yeah. from the and beginning? I, yeah, and I look back and I see how how much the writing has grown and how um, complex and rich the episodes I think have have yeah. um, uh, relative to the uh, when where we started, and I think that's in large part because you know adding a, a writers' room and having you guys in 
and also just you know becoming more confident in the in the medium yeah mm-hmm. yeah so excellent question Pabloco. thank you for the question um uh the next question we had from baker p on reddit is there any comment on whether or not nelson will roll his 20-sided die and by chance will it land on some random magical number i like this one cause unforeseen <laughs> boons or consequences um it's a good question um and it just reminds me oh i wish i could remember <laughs> i saw a tweet recently about audio drama about how like physical uh almost like and not prop like props on the characters that you don't necessarily mention or reference every time they're still oh, there yeah, yeah, yeah. and like was that was that ours yeah it was ours like paradoxical somebody had an eye patch and they just never told you yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, that's what it was it was ours paradoxica like they've had their show going for however many episodes and just never mentioned yeah. that one of the characters had an eye patch. So to remind our audience, By the way, congrats on those guys for wrapping uh, an incredible run. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so to the question, we did mention it. in I think the first episode, Nelson wears the 20 sided die around his neck all the time. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. And it may, it's, it's, a, it's supposed to be a symbol, uh, you know, of, of chaos in, in this world. Um, and we never really fleshed out that subplot, to be perfectly honest in here. I thought we were coming back to it. That's kind of what I assumed. We'll come back yeah. to it. We, we I, at please some do something with that. Please let it like natural <laughs> die. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm just imagining like a nice, like, a nice little homage to Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons, but just like, I don't, how, how can you work it into real life? I don't know, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I, that'd be great though. That'd be so nice. Uh, I'm thinking, I know how we can use it, but probably can't happen until like book four word (laughs) yeah so at this pace if if it's been five years since we started and we're in book two now book four 2026 something like that wow i'll see you when i'm 47 (laughs) (laughs) oh perfect 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 good stuff man yeah yeah so i think i guess keep Keep an eye out for that sometime in the next yeah. 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, chat, chat is asking how how he wears it. Like, is it in a vial or is there a hole drilled through it? Um, I think I always pictured a hole drilled through it, but I guess that's not uh, the, the th- die itself. It could be in a vial. I think actually uh, John drew it in a vial. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's right. Shows how much I know. <laughs> if you look at the oh. header... Yes, I'm looking at the header picture now. John did draw it. John, um, our amazing artist, uh, drew it in a vial. So I was wrong. Sweet. (laughs) It's like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Alyssa in chat says, how many subplots could a subplot plot if a subplot could subplot? (laughs) Excellent comment. I appreciate that. Three. 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 (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Very good. Um... I do. I want to give a quick shout out uh, to Alyssa in chat, who who said that um, you know that, that that Jen really opened her eyes to the way that you know a, a quote unquote popular girl in a in a small town may have been feeling, um, and that that makes me feel really good that you know we did that kind of um, roadmap to empathy thing that that we were talking about. So so thank you for saying so, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, thank you for sharing and commenting in the chat. Um, Next question, the more more of the silly ones. Um, so this one, I may need to, to let Greg take the lead on here. Um, Pages of Kenna on Twitter asks a really important question. What is everybody's Pokemon Go team, cast and characters, hypothetically? Um, 
all the entire 500 person cast of characters is every, every mic. This is Greek to me. Yeah. Yeah. So. In the video game Pokemon Go, <laughs> there are you at the beginning. You can join one of three teams: uh, Team Instinct, Team Valor, and Team Mystic. Um, wow! Seemingly, the most important aspects of these teams are their colors, which is just red, blue, and yellow, because people are just attributing them to the original three Pokemon games, which were Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and Pokemon Yellow. Um, Pokemon Instinct, I mean, they built, they all kind of, their names hint at what they are all about. Instinct uh-huh. is all about just, like, acting on instinct and, like, following your gut and being, yeah. yeah. Um, team Valor is all about, like, teamwork and being true. They're almost like paladins in a way, kind of like, yes, we will follow the true way, but also, like, we are... Uh, confident in ourselves and uh, we want to fight for honor kind of things. Yeah. So and Team Mystic is mostly about, um, think of kind of mages in a traditional sense, like wizards, like we're all about information and knowing the right path um, and a, a search and following knowledge. Okay. Um, so and I believe Instinct is yellow, Valor is red, and Mystic is blue. Um, that is helpful. Thank you. So I played, I played original Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Yeah, I played. The weird thing is, like, once you pick a team in Pokemon Go, you can't switch whatsoever, which was really annoying. Yeah, I agree. Because um, you would be like, oh, what's this new game? Oh, let me just, I'm going to play. I'll just pick a team. I'll be able to change it later. And then you'll find out that your friends were on different teams. And then you're like, well, now we can't play together. Um, Because, like, you as a team, like, the, the overarching team can go and take gyms and stuff in locations in the actual world, which is very strange. And I had to stop playing that game because at the time there were two Pokestops within reach of my work, uh, my desk at work, which meant that every 10 minutes I was just opening my phone and swiping to get items because <laughs> that's a healthy thing to do while trying to hold down a job. Um, yes, I was on Team Mystic. Um, my sister is on Team Instinct, and I almost kind of wish I was on Instinct with her. Uh, Instinct is also has the smallest um, population, as far as I understand. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I kind of did the same thing as you. I opened the game, and it's like, oh, blue's a pretty color. I'll pick that. And... Later, like yeah. my coworkers, like lambasted me for five minutes about like the the ethical implications of choosing blue and not yellow, and I'm like, it's a game. Yeah, yeah. Call it. <laughs> yeah, it was weird because I like I told my sister, and she was like, I can't believe you're mystic at all. And I had been like, and I hadn't played in months, and I was like, I I uh, it was a thirst for knowledge. And I'm a nerd. Leave me alone. Like, um, so yeah, so yeah. So anyway. For our characters, I mean, um, Nelson would think about it for a long time, I think. Yeah. Um, he might, yeah, Nelson might do like a, a TD on The Good Place. I just started watching The Good Place. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's really yeah. Cool. I've seen the first season. <laughs> it's so good. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, I like, I love that. I love that. That's one of my, like, I'm on the second no, season. No, no spoilers, best plot twist in a yes. I've ever seen. Yeah. Yes. I would say so. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, when you describe the when you describe the three teams, Greg, you basically kind of perfectly described uh, Regan, Brennan, and Nia in that order. Those, those <laughs> are kind of gimmies, I think. Cat mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. uh, in the in chat is worried that we're going to have a fight about Jen again. Um, to which I say, you know what? Jen contains multitudes, and <laughs> this is what happens. So deal with it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, well, so that I think that I, pretty <laughs> solidly answers that. We said we got like three. We did the three easy ones and then didn't. Yeah, the rest that. are really tricky, right? Well, yeah. Because even Nia, like I feel like the knee jerk is definitely the mystic knowledge seeker, and then certainly compared to the other characters, that would be her sort of. If, if there was one choice, but then she is also very team player oriented yeah. as well. So, um, yeah. I now just want to fight about Jen just to please chat. <laughs> so I will take a stand. Jen is strongly on the blue team. I forget which blue name. Is the what blue. now? Blue is Valor? Blue is Mystic. Oh, okay. Oh, oh interesting. Okay. Yeah. I didn't remember that. I was just trying to pick a fight. <laughs> I don't hate that, though. I don't hate that. Yeah, no, I, think, I think maybe, yeah, foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I guess oh, I still think we're in agreement. Get. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. We've answered Let's that about as well as the McElroy brothers answer their it's advice. It's the process. So, this yeah. is our first step. It's the process. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, Chat the long way. form answer is yeah. <laughs> stay tuned for exactly. 2020. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I should say we've been going for about an hour and a half now, so we're probably going to begin to wrap up the stream. Um, anyone in chat, if you have some last questions you want to get in, uh, type them in chat now. We'll try to answer them real quick. Uh, Alyssa in chat says that she really likes Bryce's soldiers. AKA Bryce- the East Street Band. <laughs> yeah. Big fan of those those people, so glad, glad you're appreciating them. Um, someone someone on uh, Reddit recently realized that Bryce is supposed to be Bruce Springsteen. So, for anyone who hasn't <laughs> made the really connection excited. yet, I don't remember if we've discussed it on screen on stream or on the podcast. But Bryce Riverfell, like Bruce Springsteen, it's supposed to oh, tie that's together. Hilarious. And um, his Ford is Freehold, and Bruce Springsteen is from Freehold, New Jersey. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love it. Um, it's pretty good. His, Everything in Monmouth, every town name in Monmouth County is actually pretty fantasy. It's like uh, Colts Neck, Freehold, <laughs> uh, Red Bank. The horse's head in is because Colt's neck. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, his his side or his his second yeah, command was yeah. Clarence, who's a particularly big man. So that's yes. that's the big man. Um, in chat, spoiler yeah. alert: we did. Yeah, that's we did kind of spoiler murder Bryce. Um, that's actually something we can talk about real quick as we're wrapping up. Um, while we were writing that. We were talking about um, feeling as though there are consequences for the actions. Like, we felt like we went a little while without um, any of the characters really feeling consequences for the choices they made. So, sorry we had to to do that to you all, but we felt like we needed to kind of keep it real for a minute. Yeah, our, we got everybody kind of got lucky for a little while and eventually that luck had to had to run out. Yeah, um 
we were we were tearing up about that too. We really like Bryce, so we were we were very sad to see him go. We were trying to think of ways to not let it happen, but it seemed like it was the way that it had to happen. Yeah. Um. Sorry to bring things down somber again at the end of the stream. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do we do to bring the the mood up before we before we wrap up? Do we? Uh, um, I was going to let people shout out anything they want to shout out again, so we can uh, just celebrate Luke Cage a little bit more and Shannon's awesome. That. Um, does anyone else have anything really you want to shout out? I, I got. Uh, I'm bringing back the. I have like a, t- a public access television show, so it goes up again. Yeah, it's, it's been doing. I mean, it's been running actually. I guess I'm just really really bad about talking about my own stuff but uh it's been doing reruns and so now the second season is coming up july 16th oh nice I don't, yeah nice. but you can just catch it on the youtube channel just just watch it on youtube because there's there's so many different channels because it's public access so like if you have yeah, a different yeah. cape ugh, like just yeah. watch it on youtube <laughs> but yeah <laughs> post it on your website on your facebook page and whatnot Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, what's the Please channel? do that. Oh, oh it's uh, the channel is the Notice Blog, and uh, you can find it at it's uh the thing is like YouTube slash the Millennial Group LLC because uh, I can't find the Notice Blog for YouTube. <laughs> but uh, just yeah, just Google uh, not Google, search for YouTube or uh, what were you saying, Shannon? You were saying something? Sorry. Oh, your Facebook page. Oh yeah, go to my Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I post on my Facebook page all the time. Or you have Twitter or your other social media platforms. Should I, should I point to? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm so bad at this. Uh, the Notice Blog on Twitter, the Notice Blog on IG, the Notice Blog on Facebook, and the Notice Blog on uh, on YouTube. Just search it. It's yeah. right there. All in one word. Put a link Bam. in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put a link yeah. down to it. Everyone, check out the Notice Blog. Um, we'll put all the links and everything. First episode, I talked to a cartoon duck for like five minutes. So you just gotta watch it. It's it's great. Oh, it's, yeah, it's must see TV. Right it's must see. Just beautiful writing right there. <laughs> Can't beat it. <laughs> but yeah, all right, that's it. <laughs> Luke Cage season two, especially episode eleven. Luke Cage. Alyssa in chat points out the Penumbra podcast new episode is coming out this week. Um, Yo. So we can check that out. Um, also. In case anyone missed it, uh, very recently the Bright Sessions wrapped up, so yeah. catch the ending of that. Um, Ars Paradoxica also wrapped up. Check check out that. Um, Greg has a podcast, uh, another podcast. Uh, a podcast called Left Trigger, Right Trigger, and we do YouTube stuff. Uh, we try to put out two to three videos a week on YouTube, and I'm just realizing I just put that out in the world, and now that means we post <laughs> to it every week for the rest of eternal time. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, we do... Battle brunch on Sundays, almost every Sunday at 11 ish Eastern, where we stream a game that involves battle. Again, um, Greg. I'm sorry. What's the name of it again? Uh, left trigger, right trigger. Um, and we actually have a. If you just go to, if you want to see any of the YouTube stuff, it's just let's play things in video games. So it's uh, uh, YouTube.com/slash left trigger right trigger. We managed to get a custom URL. Um, Ooh. Yeah, and Very stay nice. tuned for maybe website. Um, I, like I want to yeah. let everybody know um, uh, my wife's improv team, the musical improv team, uh, most of whom uh, were there to record Natty Groves. Uh, they have a show coming up on uh, this coming Thursday night, as you're nice. the, the 28th uh, at the, uh, the Pit Striker in Manhattan. Um, I'll put a, well, by the time the audio for this goes up on the podcast feed, uh, the show will have um, passed, but I'll, I'll do some, some social media so you can find the link. Uh, but they now perform under the name Night Captain. 
uh, and you can find uh, Night Captain uh, on Facebook and you get all the details um, for their shows. I will definitely be at that show. Um, I think Ian may be there uh, as well. Uh, so if you want to come and, and say hi, uh, I will be there. And uh, yeah, I've never seen these guys do a bad show. They're incredible. So, cool. yeah. yeah, so if you're watching okay, live yeah. the live stream now, if you're in New York, go check that out. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm sure they'll do another show eventually sorry you missed that one um one last shout out i meant to mention earlier um based on one of our metrics uh the once in future nerd has now passed ten thousand uh subscribers that's pretty nice yo thank you everyone for for listening thank you for subscribing it's a pretty exciting uh exciting moment for us and hopefully on to bigger and better things Um, yeah man let's do this yes I think that's a good enough as I need to end. So thank you, yeah. everyone, for listening. Thank you. Um, you have time. The next chapter will be out in like three years at current. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. As we mentioned, we're, we're doing our best to crank that out. We're going to have another yeah. little bit of a hiatus um, so. just because real life things take time but yeah we'll get that in, in all know. honesty i've just been um i've just been super slammed with uh with my day job and i keep managing to have uh pet emergencies and, and things like that so um thank you everybody for being um so patient and uh it's not for it's not for lack of of caring about you or the show that things um take so long but we're always working on it we're always thinking about it yeah true true that you know, grinding so and thanks yeah oh sorry go, no, ahead. go for it go for it i was gonna say thank thank you thanks man like thank like chris zach like you guys have been busting your ass i do want to like show some appreciation because it's such a thankless job it's just like <laughs> i just gotta like show up and then that, that's it i just like you know have a cool calendar thing and i'm like all right that's it like you're <laughs> it's like countless nights like balancing the day job along with like this long epic it's not a five minute episode i mean that's crazy <laughs> like i struggle I, it takes me months to do like a five minute episode you you do an entire like epic storylines hey man you, you're doing a good job this is all i gotta say so yeah well thanks and it really wouldn't be anything without hey. you guys and everyone else who you know do you know do everything you do for the show as well so thank you thank you to our whole cast yeah. even uh especially those who couldn't make it today for the live stream um yeah even those assholes <laughs> <laughs> No shade, it's fine, it's fine, it's what I was. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, I, so good. I love you all, you're all amazing. Um, we, try to, we try to schedule as many people. <laughs> it's normally my fault for picking the, the time, which works for as many as possible, and I unfortunately have to, you know, exclude the people who can't yeah. make it at this time. Yeah, I, so. I, like, I like making Zach schedule these things, because then he knows my pain. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I could be the bad guy for once. <laughs> So anyway, with that, um, thank you everyone on the live stream. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye Bye. everybody. Bye. See ya. Okay. Just one last time. This blooper reel gets pretty blue, pretty tawdry, uh, even for this show. Uh, okay. You've been warned. Um, I guess, I guess as long as we're doing this, we should do Once We Should It Depends on Listeners Like You. For funding and for spreading the word. I'm so sorry. Okay. You're earning your pay of your <laughs> in this moment. Of your friendship? <laughs> really, Jess's. Yeah, I use right. you to get to her. Exactly. Oh, eat my fucking ass. You're shitting me. Nelson, Jen, take Gwen and the child and hide yourselves in the barrel. Quickly now. Barrels. Hide it, not just in one. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's Dread Red Wren. Sure it, is Dread Red Wren. It's Red. Sure is Dread Red. Good. Okay. Confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> Copy. Positive identification. <laughs> okay. Um. Opportunity, just write in that she like takes everyone's balls and <laughs> makes a necklace on them. Oh yeah, squirt them necklace. <laughs> Testicles. Yes. Testicles. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've made a mistake. Um, the elbow of her broken arm was hung through the sleeve of her cloak. Of her cloak. She doesn't have a robe. The reason I made that mistake is because I was testing this out to see how it would actually look in my robe. And unlike you, I don't have anyone to sit around and sew me a flag. Balls to the hand, boy. I don't know how to sew. Look at yourself, okay? Look at your choices. I never learned to sew. A twisted grin came over Jethro's face. We change came to crept. Crept. Sorry. I just, I can't. Really? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that word? Well, then you, All right. Then you hit came, I just... Let's do crept. A twisted grin jizzed over Jethro's face. <laughs> That's for you. For later. Thanks. My mug is empty. Who's gonna fill up for you? Is anybody else sad? I'm sad. All right. I want to find a sea wife. Oh. I saw a mermaid a week ago. Yeah, a mermaid! Mermaids aren't real. Right. Did you Just show me that every time, boy. Did you Let's talk to fish, her? Sammy. What did she say? Did she she said, man, you? you gotta pluck your eyebrows. Oh. It was a fish. They're so superficial. That sounds like a Did fish. Did it seem like she could love you? Did beast. it seem like she could love you? Yeah. For who you really were. Yeah. But where do you stick your wiener? I don't know. Fucking ah. ah. mermaids. <laughs> Probably in her ear. <laughs> I wish we could have, I couldn't remember that song. Yeah, I never fucking do anything. I'm not even a fuck up. I'm just dead weight getting dragged around like a big old floppy dick. <laughs> Why is that so hard? <laughs> well, it's not because it's big and floppy. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Blah, 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 blah. Damn spooky son of a bitch had it coming a mile away. Oh, where are you seeing this? I think I'm on 69. Oh, yeah. Nice. Let me know when you're good, Joe. He's giving okay. me the... We have a language. All right, all right, go ahead. You're not part of it. Okay, great. Can I eat apple? <laughs> Now just roll on all of this. <laughs> so this is a gender mixed yes. pirate. So yep. it's not the kind of thing where like they can fuck. No, which they is can also fuck. true well, on, reg yeah. on yeah, traditional yeah, yeah, pirate ships. Yeah. Well. And they definitely do. All people can fuck. Everybody's got saying, orifices <laughs> where you can stick your fingers or penis. Everybody's got a welcoming place for a tongue or digit. Yeah. Everybody's got orifices. 
your fingers or penis. Everybody's got an inviting portal for a time.